0: Welcome back to the podcast on Binding the Bible. This is episode 110, Revelation, Jesus is the Gift. And the following is a sermon that I preached on May 24th of 2020. Jesus' prayer for his followers from John chapter 17. And as you will be able to hear when you listen in on this particular sermon, there are some birds chirping in the background, which was beautiful at the time and hopefully will sound beautiful to you as well. This was because we held some outdoor services in the month of May, early on into June until it began to get too hot outside for us to gather for worship. And so the recording for this particular sermon isn't quite as clear as many of the sermons i 've put on there before that 's because I had a little portable um, microphone that I clipped to my shirt and and basically recorded the message through that microphone right into my phone and so it 's a little bit not as clear as it has been, but it is still clear enough for you to hear the gist of the message and i 've chosen to insert it this week on the podcast for a couple of reasons: the first is. Um, Just a basic reason and that is this is um, Ash Wednesday when I'm recording this sermon which is a short week for me to prepare a service for the middle of the week and then to prepare one for Sunday as well and I didn't have enough time this week so keep plowing our way through Revelation and so I've decided to record a simple intro and then present to you a sermon as the episode for the week but it isn't just random that I do that, I haven't actually listed a sermon for several weeks now and as I begin to think about this final transition into the last three chapters of Revelation, it, it dawns on me that many times people who are unfamiliar with Revelation know a few things about the beginning of the book, and then they know a few things about the end. And many people, again, assume that John is writing some exhortations to the churches, but the really important stuff for the Christians to know is the dis- the depiction of heaven at the final at the final few chapters of, of the book. And of course, if you've walked your way through Revelation with me, you know that that's not the way I approach this, and I don't think that was John's intention either. And one of the reasons that I've decided to insert this sermon is because what I want to address is the way many Christians, myself included, for many, many years, used to view eternal life, if you will. ...as a gift that one receives from Jesus, as opposed to recognizing that the point of it all is the reunification of God with his people through the person of Jesus. And that, in fact, is what I will address in this short little sermon. It is only about 15 minutes long. Uh, We did keep our services short as it got fairly hot by the end of of our worship time together... But I really want you to focus in on what I am trying to communicate to our people and and was trying to communicate six or seven months ago when I preached this, because our tendency, again, will be to look for these descriptions, these streets of gold and these great gates and who's in and who's out and some of these ideas that circulate still um, that I believe miss the heart of God for his creation and for his people as John is outlining them for us at the final few chapters. And so I've decided again to put this sermon here. I want you to receive it. This is all this sermon is. I'm not exhorting you to go do something. Jesus was not exhorting exhorting any of his followers to do something. This was a prayer that Jesus was offering to his father. And it reveals the heart of a father who is the same one being revealed to the world in the last several chapters of Revelation. As the entire biblical narrative wraps up and comes to a close. And so I'm excited to get into those final few chapters with you as evil and Satan himself are finally dealt with. And then we walk into chapter 21 and begin to see the beauty and the awe and the glory that is the one seated on the throne and is the lamb gathered around their people forever and ever people from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And so I wish you a very happy Lenten season. I know happy may not even be the best adjective to describe it, but as you and I well know, it feels as if we have been in a Lenten season for almost an entire year. And so as you enter into it officially, according to the church calendar this year, may you find grace and peace in the presence of Jesus the one who's come to set the captives free and to offer himself for the life of the world. So I'm very thankful for each of you. I'm thankful for the interactions I continue to have. You, many of you surprise me. You'll drop me a line on an email or you will just send me an encouraging message on Facebook or some of you interact with me on a personal level and you'll engage me with those kinds of discussions. It's always a treat and it's a very uh, very encouraging for me to hear how Jesus is using this podcast or other podcasts that you're engaged in. And I know some of you share those with me as well. So thank you for that interaction. It makes it always feel as if this isn't just a one-way communication, but that I'm very eager and open to hearing what you're learning and how, what connections Jesus is making in your life and how he is using his truth and his word to transform you. So without any more of an introduction, I just offer to you a sermon that I preached, Jesus is the gift. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ. When Jesus had spoken these words, He lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son that Your Son may glorify You, since You have given Him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom You have given Him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you. you, Lord Christ. You may be seated. I know many of you may not have a Bible with you, and I wish I had thought of a plan for that so that you'd be able to follow along in this passage. But I want to just point out to you a couple of things in a passage like this because we are in um, a section of the Gospel of John that is filled with compassion and grace and kindness. In a passage that's only 11 verses long, the word give or gave or given is used 11 times in this passage. There is an exorbitant amount of giving coming from the Father to us. And I want to read you just a couple of them. Just a few of the ways that John describes this reality. It says the Father gives Jesus authority in verse 2. Jesus gives eternal life to all whom the Father has given to him. The Father gives Jesus work to do. The Father gives Jesus people out of the world. The Father gives Jesus the people who belong to him. The Father gives Jesus everything he has Jesus gives to His followers the words His Father had given to Him. Jesus prays to the Father for those the Father had given Him. And the Father gives Jesus His name. Wish we could take a long time to walk through what every single one of those things mean, but the very minimum is this. The Father is interested in giving of Himself to the world. He does it through his own son. And so if you walk away from John 17 and you don't get anything else, realize that this is a prayer. This isn't an exhortation. This isn't telling you and I to go home and do anything. This is a prayer that doesn't even involve us at the moment. This is in between Jesus and his father. And Jesus is praying these things to his father. Now, we receive tremendous blessing from this prayer. And typically the way we receive it is when we think of something that the father gives And generally, when I remember reading over this passage this week, and I remember reading over this passage most of my life, the thing that always jumps out to me that he gives is eternal life. He gives eternal life to those who trust him. And yet I have to remind you of the way I used to think of what it meant to receive eternal life. Because I think if I start there and show you how I think I was wrong, then it might help you understand what the right way is about thinking about eternal life. Most of us think when Jesus gives eternal life that it's kind of like what I also used to read in the book of Romans. For instance, Romans chapter 6 where we're told that the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so when I was younger, I used to read this verse in Romans and then also this passage in, in John 17 as if Paul was saying eternal life was given to me as a gift Kind of like in the same way that my parents give me a gift on my birthday. This gift was some item or some present from them to me that I simply needed to reach out and take. What I did with the gift after that was, to be honest, based on this sort of illustration, kind of irrelevant to the whole gift-giving-receiving analogy. I could play with the gift for a few days and eventually forget about it or lose it under my bed and it really wouldn't matter that much. Wherever the gift was, it was still mine. I had been given it by my parents. And if you have kids at home, you know that even when your child hasn't played with the same toy for six months, if a neighbor kid comes over and starts playing with that toy and your kid has forgotten all about it, the moment he sees the neighbor kid with the toy, that's mine. That's kind of how I thought about it, right? It's this thing that I take and I can do what I want with it. Now, I I think that illustration may be a bit of a caricature. I mean, that was my experience with it. I'm not saying that's yours. But there's a real sense in which many Christians still think of the gift of eternal life in the same way that I used to think about birthday presents. It was something I received from Jesus, something that he gave me with no strings attached, and then left up to me regarding what I did with it. But curiously enough, that is not what Jesus says eternal life is in this passage in John 17. And even more curiously, that is not what Paul says about it either in Romans chapter 6. And I say curiously because, fascinatingly enough, that was my view, right? I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say something that you're going to disagree with at first, but I want you to listen to what I'm saying. Eternal life, according to Jesus, is not some gift we receive from Jesus, Now, I prefaced it with, listen to me, because I don't want you to fidget in your seats. Listen to me. Eternal life is not some gift we receive from Jesus. Rather, Jesus is the gift we receive from the Father. This is important. I'm afraid today that if we don't understand this relationship, we're going to miss the whole boat. Because we think it means we receive something from him and then we take it and then we go on with our lives. And I know that's not intentional, but that can slip down through the cracks. Jesus is the gift. So let's think about a passage that we all know, right? I'll say it later in our service. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? The gift, the giving is the son so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life, right? That's the idea, Or the way 1 John 5 puts it. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So you see how this works. So if you have the Son and eternal life is in him, well, then you have eternal life. It's the Son. You have him. But if you think it's just this gift without connection to Jesus, you don't have the son or the gift. Here's how Jesus defines it in our passage. We just read this a moment ago. And this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So listen to Romans six twenty three again. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. Where? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. So here is what Jesus' prayer is about. He's praying to the Father that the Father would glorify him so that he's able to give glory to God. What does glorify mean? Why does Jesus say, I've manifested your name to the people so that they see who you are? This is what's happening in Jesus Jesus has come to show us, to demonstrate to us, to properly reflect who the Father actually is. Because according to John 1, no one has ever seen God. Jesus reveals who God is to us so that we can look at someone and say, Oh, that's what God is like. That's what Jesus means, glorify your son. Show me who God is and I will show you a God who loves the world so much that he takes on flesh and dies for his enemies. But this is what's really, really strange about Jesus's prayer. Because if that was all the gospel was, if that was all Jesus is praying for the Father, we would say that is glorious, that is beautiful. But Jesus pulls us in, not as gift recipients, but as partners in this revealing of the Father's love to the world. So, I know you don't have your passage in front of you, and that's frustrating to me. I will remedy that next week so that you can at least have a paper form so you can follow the logic of this passage. But in verse 6 of John 17, Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the people who you gave me. The word manifest just means to cause to become known, to show to people what the Father's name is right? In Jewish culture, they were afraid of the name. People wouldn't even speak the name. You didn't even write the name unless you pulled out a brand new pen with brand new ink and dared to actually write the name. Jesus is saying, no, no, no. You've made that something mysterious and strange and other. I'm bringing the name to you in the flesh, on the ground, in the dirt. I'm going to show you who the father is. But listen to what Jesus has the audacity to say To the Father in his prayer. He says that he wants to glorify the Father. He wants the Father to glorify himself in the Son. And then he says in verse 10, All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Here's what I think is happening. I think the Christian faith in a nutshell is we don't know who God is or what it would require to get to God. And so God says, I'll show you. It doesn't require you doing anything to get to me. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to send my one and only son to you, to live among you, to show you what I'm like, to love you, to live for you, to die for you, to teach you, to rescue you, to heal you, to help you, to save you. I want them to be as close to me as you are, Jesus, to me. And Jesus says, when my spirit comes and indwells them to such an extent that their ability to manifest the Father's love is going to be as great as my own. And Jesus says, I will be glorified in them. When through their love and their unity and their compassion and their heartfelt concern for the world will show the world that the Father really did send Jesus because those, the people that have received him haven't just received a gift they've received a person who has so closely transformed their lives that when the world looks at them, they see a father who has deep, compassionate love for them. The gift is a person. The gift is for the the receiving. It's free to receive, but it will cost you everything. Because to be in intimate relationship with Jesus means that yes, you get Jesus, but with Jesus comes pure light, A desire as a healer to heal us, but that requires us to come to him as patients who need healed and who continually need him to shine light into our lives so that he can root out in us what is preventing us from being the kinds of people who can project his love to the world. That's what we want. That's what we hope for. And we're getting it all in a prayer. So the gift that this prayer is, is that he's not telling us to do anything. We just get to see the heart of Jesus who wants to properly honor the father by his life and who wants to pour that loving life into his followers so that they can love the father and the world through that same love. That's all we have to do. We receive it. It is free, but it will cost us everything. That's the message for the church. And it is through the church, empowered by the spirit, who we will celebrate the coming of next Sunday. That is how the world will come to know that Jesus is real, that his father is real and that he loves them that's our calling it's not an easy thing to do it's not a burden that we carry Jesus lifts it but when we invite him in he changes everything let's pray Jesus you are the gift eternal life is not found outside of you because you are life And so, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that no matter what difficulty we face, no matter what discouragement we see, no matter how excited we are about life or how discouraged we are about life, no matter the way the world responds to coronavirus, no matter the way we respond to coronavirus, you promised to give us your Son to be with us, to be in us, to heal us, to free us, and to give us life then you have invited us in to the perfect love that you have between father and son so that we might show the world that you're real thank you for empowering your church thank you for equipping us thank you for strengthening us thank you for loving us pray that our relationship with you would be deeper today That we would thank you for giving us of yourself And ask that You would continue to transform us by the way we understand You and by the way we get to know You and live for You. We love You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Amen.